This is a this is a shear on Likutei Sichais, Chelek Yutas, the 19th volume, the portion of Shaiftim Dalad, the fourth Sicha of Shaiftim. In the concept of testimony, which in our parsha speaks about Edus, Alpishnei Edim, Vigaymer, Yokum Dover, that a matter is established by two witnesses. So we find two kinds of witnesses. Aleph, Eidei Birur, witnesses that are considered um, witnesses that confirm the fact. For example, a witnessing on a loan. The purpose of having witnesses to a loan is only to confirm that there was indeed a loan that took place. The actual loan is not at all dependent on the fact whether it was witnessed or not. Even were somebody to give somebody else a loan without any testimony, without any witnessing, the borrower has a full obligation to pay back the loan that is taken. So if so, when it says that according to two witnesses, Yokum Dover, something becomes established, what that means is, what becomes established is that the Dover, the thing that took place, becomes festgestellt. Confirmed, ratified through the witnesses. Something that happens, in other words, regardless of whether there were or weren't witnesses, the factualness of it is established by witnesses. There's a different kind of witness. Base, edekium, witnesses that actually create the reality. For example, Witnesses that take place on Kiddushin, when a man gives a woman a ring and says, you are betrothed to me. That witnessing is a part of the actual Kiddushin. It creates the Kiddushin. Because the din is that even if a man, if both a man and a woman come and admit that they engaged in an act of Kiddushin, that he gave her a ring and she consented to receive it for the purpose of being betrothed. But they both agree there were no witnesses there. I didn't want to do a public thing between me and her. Gave her a ring, said, you're betrothed to me in the same language we do under the chuppah. There's no kiddushin. The marriage doesn't start. Why? <clears throat> because we don't say that... Because even if we know 100%, a million percent, that that took place, but it must take place with witnesses this kind of witness actually establishes the halachic classification of marriage. If so, the way we would translate this posuk in those kind of witnesses is, according to two witnesses, Yokum Dover, the matter becomes uvgitan, that the matter becomes actually achieved and accomplished. One form of witnessing, in other words, just ratifies, confirms that something took place, the other one actually creates that new reality. When you give, when a person does a kiddushin in front of two kosher witnesses, the status now of that betrothed woman changes. The same act done without witnesses, nothing happens. So the witnesses are not just to confirm that it happened. Witnesses are to create the new reality. That's what the Torah says, needs witnesses. So based on this concept that there's, we're going to refer back to them as Eidei Birur, ratifying, um, confirming, with, uh, confirmation testimony, and Eidei Kiyum, establishment testimony,
Based on this distinction, there's a few differences, halachically, there's a few ramifications, first of all, by witnesses that are there to confirm, because their whole purpose is only to, <coughs> is only to be mevarer, the whole purpose is only to confirm that this deed took place, so they, when does their testimony become testimony, when do they really become important as witnesses at the time that their witnessing is being delivered, at the time when they clarify by giving testimony that this matter took place. Before that, whether or not they had witnesses doesn't make a difference. The loan took place. The fact that they witnessed the loan doesn't make a difference until they actually come and present that information before Beisden. So at the time they're presenting that information, that's when their testimony becomes important. When you're talking about witnesses that are creating something, since their testimony, their witnessing, it's not about testimony, since their witnessing of the event is actually creating the new halachic status, the Kiddushin, comes out that at the time that they saw it, that's when their importance and relevance becomes. Not, not when you ask them about it and they confirm that it happened. When they're doing it, that's when their role is being, as witnesses is being utilized. So based on that, the Ragit Shavik explains why witnesses to Kiddushin don't need to be go through the cross-examination. I shouldn't use that word because I'm not sure what it means in a legal sense. Shouldn't have to go through the process of Chakira Udrisha. Chakira means to ask questions, to um, examine Udrisha and to again look into it. So there's a whole bunch of questions that are relevant There's a whole bunch of questions that are relevant in, 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 in testimony in general. You want to hear where was it, what day was it, what happened. When there are witnesses that witnessed a Kiddushin, the Kiddushin is valid whether or not we ask them questions. The fact that they're there makes it valid. Why is it that they don't really require, that Kiddushin witnesses don't require let's use the word cross-examination, because Chakira Odrisha is applicable to witnesses where their testimony is becoming through, the, through what's taking place in Beisden. So they're coming, like you said, there was a loan took place. The, 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 the input, the added value of the witnesses is to be able to ratify and confirm that it took place. How is that confirmed? Only when they're presenting their testimony before Beisdin. For Beisdin, for the court to be able to accept it as 100% true, they need to cross-examine. So therefore, if, if everything, if their added value here is their presentation in court, in Beisdin, so it needs to be done in a Beisdin way. And that's what gives it validity. However, we're talking about the Eidos of Kiddushin and similar things. Their testimony is not to establish that it took place. Their testimony is already starting from the fact that their testimony creates the change in status. So then that already happens. The Torah has already said that their, that their testimony is about the Kiddushin. They don't need to be cross-examined about the details of that. That's not what creates their testimony. Their testimony 
is, the Torah says, their testimony is needed to create the new reality of this woman being Mekodeshes, or Mekodeshes. At the time of seeing, they were already Eidos. Now, if we want to know whether they're telling the truth that they were really there, cross-examine them. And since, since I'm talking here to a, a, a wide, talking, you know, to, a, to a, I don't know to who, I want to just point out that when we talk about witnesses in the, for the purpose of kiddushin, creating a, st- a change in status from a woman under chuppah, now she's going to be married, before, while the witnesses don't need to be cross-examined, we need to, though, however, make sure that they are kosher witnesses, so that they're not related to each other, and that, that they are um, observant Jews that are keeping, uh, you know, that are, that are keeping to the best of their ability, the mitzvahs, and so on. So, all of that takes place before we appoint them as witnesses. But their actual witnessizing, if there is such a word of the event, for that we don't need to cross-examine them afterwards. Their input is achieved without Chakirodesha. Very simple, because the Torah gave them this, this power. Okay. Another difference, Gimel. According to the, to the fact that we just said that the testimony is a part of the actual deed of creating the betrothal, the Kedushin. They actually establish it. So we can also explain another thing. There's a halacha that by everything else we say, if you changed your mind within a period of time called immediacy, toich kidei dibur, toich kidei dibur is a halachic concept, which means the amount, of, uh, the amount of time that it takes to speak. And particularly, we mean the words, shalom alecha rebi, omeiri. Peace upon you, my teacher and master. So it's just a few seconds. But if you change your mind within a few seconds, the Gemara says, in the for everything, it helps. So if somebody takes a vow, for example, and uh, he's going to do this and this, and, and within a split second, he says, I changed my mind, I didn't mean to say that. So it's revoked. Except when somebody, the Gemara has a, a, a few other things, but the one that I was highlighting here is, and the one relevant to us here is except for somebody who does a betrothal or a divorce. In that case, if somebody stood under the chuppah and said, Hariyat Mekodesh, you betrothed to me, I'll be the witnesses. And he changed his mind immediately, it doesn't help. What's the difference? Why is it that if a guy said a vow, he's not going to eat bread, and then he changes his mind within a few seconds, we say it's revoked. Why if he says, I want, I, you're married to me, you're betrothed to me, and he changes his mind within a few seconds, it doesn't work. So the Ran explains his father. With other things, since they're not so stringent, so a person initially has in his, I would say, subconscious that he should be able to have regret within an immediate time period. However, when it comes to kiddushin, when it comes to getting married and getting divorced, since those things we know, everybody knows deep down that they're very stringent, they're life-altering, they're life-transitional situations, a person doesn't do them until in his mind he's fully prepared to do that. And so in his mind, it's already a full commitment, so he can't renege on it. Other things, there's something niggling perhaps still, which when he does it, he says, I'm doing it unless I change my mind. And if he changes his mind immediately, he didn't say unless I change my mind, but that's what we assume. However, when it comes to serious things like marriage and divorce, that person's not thinking that. Okay, that's what the Ran says. Says the Rebbe, however, we need still further elucidation about this explanation because according to this, let's apply this. It means to say that a person's gemiraz das, a person's 
finalization of his intention really doesn't take place till after Kedai Dibur, till after the period of speech, right, a few seconds. Which would mean that if somebody gives somebody else a gift, for example, since he can still repeal it within a few seconds, we should be telling the recipient, let's say somebody gives you an apple, he could still go back on it. You don't want to eat something that's not yours. So we should tell the person, wait those few minutes till the person, till you're sure that the person didn't change his mind. But we don't have such halach. There's no such chiddush ever written anywhere that there's a, a time lapse between when somebody gives you something and you can actually treat it as your own. So you have to say that no. With other things, it does. The deed gets finished right away. That's why we don't tell people wait with a time lapse till you use it. However, the power of speech is such that Hashem allows the koyach, there's a power to be able to repeal, walk back on that which you've already said. Yeah? Either... Uh, however, by Rikadish or Megadish, marriage and divorce, that power is not given. That ability is not given. There, the deed is finished, and that's it, it's finished. You, your power, you don't have the power to walk it back. Why not? So that I was saying, based on what we've just explained, we can understand it. Since by kiddushin, by marriage, and by divorce, <coughs> the, we just said that the actual deed becomes established through the, through the testimony, the witnessing. So now, once the witnesses have seen it, it's no longer in the turf of the one who did the actual betrothal or divorce. Because the witnesses already established this reality. Other things where the witnessing is just going to confirm that it took place later on for the purpose of ratification, for the purpose of, 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 of you know, establishing the, real, of the fact. So there, it's still in the domain of the one who's doing it. So he can still cancel it. Shem gives him that kayach. However, not when it's already something that the witnesses established, that's it. The guy wants to say, no, I didn't mean it. It's too late. Or the Rebbe says here in R17, in another way we could present it in another, in another angle, because the Torah said that this matter is established through the two witnesses, once the Torah established it, the Chacham didn't say you can come and, and walk it back. Okay, so that's an interesting discussion of Nigla, of the revealed aspect of the Torah, about the different kinds of witnesses. Now, let's, the Rebbe moves it into the corresponding levels in Pnimius, in the inner track of Torah, Dalit. All matters of Nigla, the, Torah, the revealed aspect of Torah, are Masim, they are corresponding, they fit with the way that these things are also in Pnimius, in the inner meaning of those things. So we understand that also all the details that we just established about testimony, we can find their spiritual counterpart. What are the four aspects we mentioned? One is that there's two kinds of witnesses. There's witnesses that just confirm, and then there's witnesses that actually establish a new reality. Two, we said that witnesses of betrothal, of kiddushin, are actually witnesses that establish the reality, create the reality. Three, we just said that the witnesses that create a reality, that reality happens when they saw the act happening, whereas witnesses that are just for clarification, it's only when they clarify in court, not when the actual deed took place. 
for a mice, a deed that's been created through witnessing that actually establishes reality has more power. Like we said, you can't change your mind. It becomes a, 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 a more powerful thing. So these four aspects, we're going to find their spiritual counterparts. So this is a very exciting um, exposition here by the Rebbe. With, with, uh, in a way that it pertains to what we're doing here in this world. It says in the Pesach, <coughs> in Navi, Yishaya, you are my witnesses, and Umashem says Hashem. So the Zaya says there's two explanations to what Yeshaya was referring to in the prophecy, saying you are my witnesses. Either Elain Inun Yisrael, this refers to the Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, Hashem's witnesses. Or based Elain Inun Shemayvaro, this refers to heaven and earth, and it says in the last, second to last verse in B'Devarim, the second last part in Devarim, Ha'idoisivachemayemesashemayvaro, says, I call today to the heaven and earth to be testifiers. So they are also called those that give testimony, heaven and earth. We could say that actually these two test sets of these two concepts that there says as corresponding, they actually correspond to the two kinds of edus we talked about. Ones that just um, confirm and ones that establish reality. As we're going to Kidalakaman, as we will explain later on in the Sikh. Hey, the Altarev explains at great length that when we talk about the concept of testimony, we want to testify about Hashem's existence in general, testimony only applies to something that is hidden and would otherwise be unknown, true testimony. Something that's a revealed thing, you don't need to have testimony. It's not, go, go give testimony that the sun came up in the morning. Everybody saw the sun go up, everybody knows the sun went up. The testimony doesn't apply there. More than that, even something that's not right now known, but it's a, what's called in halacha milseda avidaliglui, something that's going to become known. So that also doesn't require edus gemura, complete testimony, because it's just a matter of time, it's going to be known. Or it's a matter of stage. If the person, you, sometimes you see something, you tell somebody, like a delayed reaction joke. Tell somebody a joke, you didn't laugh yet. You wait for like a minute or two till they, till it, till it, um, until it registers what you said, and then, <laughs> then you see, you know, time delay. So something that's going to be known, either based on time or based on an extrapolation, sometimes you see the, 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 the gears in a person's brain, and then they get the point, that also is not a testimony. Testimony is for something that wouldn't otherwise be known. That's where the true value of testimony is. What does that mean in its spiritual meaning? The fact that Hashem creates all worlds, or to use the Lashon of Zerach, the fact that Hashem is within the worlds, for that you don't need testimony. That is an open and revealed thing. If a person will just take a look at the way the world operates, you see right away that there is a godly energy that enlivens the world. The world is being moved by something. Like it says about Avraham Avinu that he observed all the, all the constellations and all the sun and the thing, and he came, there's, there's an owner, there's a, there is a, there is a mover to this world. As it says in Pasuk from my own flesh I see godliness. In other words, from the fact that I exist, I know that there's a God. I feel life. And Chazal said that that can apply to the entire world, that we said, the same way the soul fills the individual body and we feel it, so Hashem fills His world. Since it's, it's imperative and it's clear 
according to Seichel, to the extent that even those righteous nations of the world also have a, a very clear belief in Hashem based on the reality that they see around them. So that doesn't require testimony. Hashem doesn't need us to testify that there is a God. Also when we talk about emunah, belief in Hashem that is higher than the world, in the Lashon of Zerach, so the Seif of Kalam, that level that transcends worlds, that also doesn't require testimony because even though that's not a level in godliness that you can um, comprehend through your intellect. Because remember, we have worldly intellect with the limitations of the, the, the physicality that we live in. But through intellect, you can come to the understanding that there's something that's higher than what you're able to grasp. More than that, <clears throat> even more so, when somebody really delves deeply through Seichel, he comes to the conclusion that Hashem is such a great thing. And so he, he understands simply that Hashem is enlivening the world. And he understands there must be Hashem that's higher than the world. And then he really, the, the realization one comes to is that Hashem's greatness and his main day job is not the fact that he creates worlds, that worlds become of him. That's, that would be a big limitation to say that God is, 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 is his whole existence is that he creates worlds. No, Hashem is vast, way beyond that. And therefore he understands that there's, God is way beyond whatever he can understand, whatever's way beyond the world. But how does he get to that understanding? He, he extrapolates that. So when you talk about understanding that God is far beyond the world, that's also not really testimony to speak about that level because, uh, yeah, it may not be something that, that is evident or graspable with our conscious mind, because you can't really understand the God that's beyond the world. It's beyond. However, it's something, it's like in a, in a testimony, something that would be revealed. If a person thinks and meditates enough, he's going to come to, to the realization that there's something that totally transcends all of us. That's the level of Elikus that one can come to. It's not immediate, but it, it's just missing meditation and time to reach that level, to understand there's a level that transcends and that for who the world is an infinitesimal speck, that can be reached also through extrapolation and meditation. So no need for testimony there. It's something that if one just thinks enough, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, it's going to be understood. When we talk about testimony that Hashem wants testifiers, that's on Hashem's atzmos, on His essence. That is even higher from the level that's called Seviv Kalam that transcends the world. That is not at all in the realm of intellect. And since Hashem's essence is something that's totally concealed, ah, there we need to testify to reveal the essence of Hashem. Just like when we talk about testimony in general, it's to uncover something that's totally concealed. Now we can talk about there's two kinds of aid, there's two kinds of testimony. There's the witnesses that confirm that that's the reality. And for that, we have things that have been embedded into the creation, things that testify to the fact that there is a power of Ein Sof, of unlimited light of Hashem, that, that's way beyond the world. And those are heaven and earth. As it's known, explains in Chassidus, that the 
vitality of heaven. Heaven is, is something that is constantly there. In other words, there's an eternity to them. They don't die. It's not like the stars die and new ones are born. They're there for eternity. I use the word eternity loosely, only Hashem is eternal, but for, for, for the way it seems to us, they're never changing, they're there in an eternal way. And then there's things on earth that have the concept of, that's called, by the way, kayomim be'ish. In their person, they are there unchanged forever. That's the, the things of heaven and earth. You know, sun, moon, and, and all that, stars. And then there's the earth, where we have all kinds of species, but there, kayomim bimin, we see that the species are constantly and eternally here. Uh, you know, because one has another, one begets another, this one gives birth to the other. So where does that come from, that, that, that unbreaking and unstoppable chain? That is from the koyach of the Ein Sof, that's from the power of Hashem's unlimited light. And that's why heaven and earth, and their hosts, what they... What they, what they you know, what they, what they contain, they are confirmation on Hashem's Atmos. We see things in there that show on the unyieldingness, the unchangingness, which are the source of them is the omnipotence and the absolute essence of Hashem. So there's testimony here to, to, the, to the greatest love, deepest levels of Hashem. B, there's a different kind of witnessing. That is Edekim, the witnesses that create the reality. There are witnesses that they have, were given the power to, so to speak, bring down Hashem's atzmus, Hashem's essence into the world. Just like witnesses that create a reality of, 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 a, of a marriage. And those witnesses are not heaven and earth. Those are the neshomas you saw. Those are the Jewish people that their neshomas are sourced in atzmus, in the essence of Hashem. And that's why, because their source is in the essence of Hashem, they have the power through Torah mitzvahs, which Hashem gave them for that reason, for that purpose, to draw down Hashem's atzmus in the world. says the Rebbe parenthetically in the square brackets this is also the inner reason why where is the main place we talk about witnesses that create a reality it's about Kiddushin, about marriage because what's the purpose of Kiddushin, of marriage, betrothing and then subsequent uh, marriage is to have children approval and the concept of having children you see openly the unlimited light of Hashem down here below because the ability for children to have children unstoppable till the end of time so in other words we have a convergence of two things through Kiddushin, through marriage that's what achieves the drawing down of the Ein Sof down below and actually even in Halacha we see the Torah says that actually and that's what's giving testimony about Hashem the ability for rebirth and, and uh, ongoing continuation of the species and which is the purpose of marriage. And that's also the reality that those witnesses actually create the reality of the marriage. And they're also creating the spiritual reality of Hashem's continued testimony here on earth. Well, but we have to understand, since heaven and earth already reveal the power of Hashem's unlimitedness in the creation, so why do we need other witnesses? Let the heaven and earth testify to Hashem's essence as being present on heaven and earth. Why do we need Neshama Sisol, the Jewish people? So the general explanation is like this. Heaven and earth indeed give testimony to the power of the Ein Sof, to the power of the unlimited light of Hashem in the world. But it's not in a way 
that shows that the world is absolutely not an entity to itself. And it's totally bottled, totally uh, subservient to Hashem. There's still the reality of heaven and earth. However, the, 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 the great uftu, the great uh, achievement that is added by the Yidin's Aveda is that through Torah and Mitzvahs, they reveal, the cause that it should be revealed that there's nothing but Hashem. They saw how the world is one totally with Atzmos. In other words, they're part of the world and doing Torah Mitzvahs is showing how the Torah Mitzvahs, Hashem's reality is really the whole purpose, the whole function and the whole reality of the world. There's nothing but Him. Heaven and earth show that there's an unlimitedness of Hashem that's projecting through their reality. But they, they, are, they are reality. I'm not sure I got this nuance 100%. Sorry. Zion. To understand this a little clearer. First we have to preface what our sages tell us on the Pasuk. Eretz Yorav Shakata That the earth, in other words, planet earth, or the universe, was fearful and then it relaxed. What does the Gemara explain this to mean? In the beginning it was fearful up till the giving of the Torah, till the Jews said, we will, we will, we will, we will, and in the end, Shakata, it became calm down. Before the Torah was given, the world was in a state of trembling. It didn't know if it would have a continued reality. Why? Because Hashem said, if they're going to take the Torah, heaven and earth is going to continue. If not, I'm going to make it like it never was. So, it was not sure about itself. But after the Eden took upon themselves Torah, Mitzvah, Nasev, and Nishma, then it became relaxed. Why? Because Matan Torah gave a, a, a solidity to the future existence of the world. That's it. Hashem is forever going to continue. Well, I shouldn't say forever because there's a concept of the 6,000 years, whatever. Now, Hashem is making the reality of the world a real reality. Till Matan Torah, Hashem said, I'm going to wait and see if the purpose for the world, the B'nai Yisrael are going to accept upon themselves the Torah, which is the purpose for the world. Great, the world will continue. Otherwise, We'll walk it back like it never was. But now, second, let's understand. <laughs> the mitzvah, the reality of the world is materialism. Form and materialism. By definition, materialism conceals on Hashem. That's why it's called oilam. Oilam means concealment. It obscures godliness. So, Matan Torah revealed more God in the world, so it should have created a weakness in, in the world. In other words, we also know that we talk about this, that the fact that by Ma- after Matan Torah, um, we can make things holy, we can take physical things and make it holy, because the, the experience of Hashem coming down to the world immediately created a, a shock reaction in the world. No animals talk, no, 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 no birds uh, tweeted. Um, the world became less materialistically coarse, and that's why after that, we're able to take things and make them holier. It takes leather straps and makes them into tefillin. Oh, one second. We just said that the world was weaker till the giving of the Torah became stronger after giving the Torah. On the other hand, we know that if world is materialism, coarse materialism sometimes, that became weaker after the Torah giving, not stronger. So, while it's true that, yeah, what does it mean the world was shaky and then it became strong? means, what we explained it to mean is because Hashem made a tenai, Hashem made a, a, a stipulation when He created the world, He says like this. He told the created beings, wait till 2,448 years after creation. If the B'nai Sol are going to take the offer I give them about the Torah then, great, you guys, the world is going to stay. Otherwise, 
I'm going to walk you back to a stage of of absolute chaos the way it was before creation. So that's what it means that the world became stronger after giving it to her. But yeah, all that means is that in addition, in other words, the world actually became weaker after the giving of her. But there's another thing hanging over the world. Will the world be or not? And that became, that was repealed. That, that, that stipulation hanging over the entire reality of the world, stronger world, weaker world, it doesn't matter, but that reality hanging over the actual existence of the world was walked back. Because now the Bnei Yisrael, they, they took the terror upon the world. Now the world, now that Tanai is taken away. Even the fact that we say that the purpose for creation is Bishvil HaTayra, Bishvil we say there's two, the, the base, base racious. There's two things that precede the world as being a reason why the world's created. The reason for the Torah and the reason for Yisrael. However, it would seem to be also an additional thing to the actual creation. Creation is creation. In order for something else, for the Eden to keep the Torah. But it's not that the entire creation is about the Eden and Torah. So, the reality is, therefore, that yes, with regard to the actuality, the metzias, the matter of the world, Matan made it weaker. It's only that Matan took away the, hang, the thing that hangs over it. So, but, so how did the world become shakata, become stronger? In other words, that the Meir Chazal seems to say that the world became stronger, not just that we removed something that threatened the existence of the world. Um, yeah. You understand what, what he's asking? <clears throat> Chazal tell us that the world became stronger after the giving of the Torah. Until then it was a little shaky. How did the world become stronger? Yes, we took away the, the, the threat that maybe Hashem wouldn't continue the world. But that's not a strength in the world. That's just taking away a, a possible threat that ever wants to learn, know that the world actually became stronger. How is that? I was going to explain. Ches. So the explanation is, the fact that we see by a person that the intention and the objective of his deed and the deed itself are two separate things. And he has an intention, an objective, and now he has the actual deed that's being done for something else. That's only because by a person, the koyach and the poyal, the potential and the actuality, are two separate things. Sometimes there's something in a potential and it doesn't actually develop into reality. It, they're not, they're two things on one continuum, but they're two things. And sometimes your intention for doing something and the thing you're doing are different. Right? However, by Hashem, there's a concept called Ein Koyach The potential is not lacking fulfillment. There's nothing about Hashem. He intends to do something that doesn't happen. The intention and the fulfillment is, is part of just one immediate reality. So therefore, in the whole, when you look at the reality, the action, the potential is also there at the same time. The reality and the intention. So in other words, when we talk about the intention for why Hashem created the world, if the intention of creating is Torah and Yisrael, so that's its real reality. 
it's not that I have something black in order to, to offset white, for example. If the, my intention is to highlight the white, then the actual black is already, black and, the black and the white are together in Hashem's world. So even though we are, from our eyes, we see physical reality, but the way Hashem's looking at it, that's, if it's behalf of Yisrael to do the Torah, then that's its real reality. That's its true building blocks. So that's why we find such a concept even in the laws of Torah where sometimes it's not what you see, but it's what the intention is that actually carries the day. For example, there's a halacha that you're not allowed to take out on Shabbos. You're not allowed to carry things outside to another, to another domain, like from your house to the street. So there's a din. If you take out a foodstuff, but less than would be considered a shear on which you are chayev, which you violate Shabbos. So for example, uh, somebody takes out one mustard seed, that's, that's, you're not allowed to do it, but that's not going to be a violation in a way that he, he, that he has to you know, that's just bring a carbon or something. It has to be a quantity that can be helpful in some way. A mouthful or whatever, each foodstuff has its, has its amount. But let's say somebody took out less than an amount that would be chayav, that would earn him, you know, bringing a carbon and so on, but he took it out in a vessel that's, that's bigger. If he would have just taken out the vessel, he would have violated the shots taking out the vessel. But now he took out a vessel that contains some foodstuff, but the foodstuff it contains is less than the amount of foodstuffs that you violate shops with. His potter is not obligated to bring a carbon. Why? Because we don't count the keli. The vessel is subsidiary to the food. We see, is the food of, a, of an amount that is, is a violation or not? I, the vessel in itself has a violation. No, we don't look at the vessel. Why? Because its purpose for taking out that, that vessel is just the food in there. So the whole gashmiz, the whole physical reality of that vessel is bottled, it's totally subservient, it's secondary. So the intention he has, his intention is the food. And so actually the, 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 the keli, the vessel becomes like a, a, an extension of the food. And the food is not enough to be, be a violation. But it's less than a shear. And so therefore the keli is also considered less than a shear. Even though its physical dimensions are that it would be chayv if you just would have taken out the keli. So you see, sometimes the kavana, you know, wins wins the race, so to speak. So if the kavan, if Hashem's kavan is Teda Mitzvah, and that's why he wants the world, so that's really the reality of the world. Where do we see this, at least in Niglet Teda Remes? So it says, Tess. Again, the beauty of the Sikha is that the, the, the total shilov, the total oneness of Niglet, Pnimius. We see at least in a hidden way here in Remes, also there's a law in Niglet Teda, in the revealed aspect of the Teda, which shows a similar concept. That the whole mitzvah of the world is really Torah and Yisrael. Where do we find it? He says we find it many places in Nigla, but here, I'll give you an example. Says the Rebbe from a Tesis. The din is that the same way the din is that you're not allowed to burn kachim, holy things from the base of on Yom Tov. Let's say something holy became invalidated. The mitzvah is you're supposed to burn it, but now it's Yom Tov. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to make a fire in Yanto just for cooking. But this is not really cooking. This is kind of cooking for Hashem in a sense. He wants you to burn it. You're not allowed to burn it on Yanto. Why? 
Because it's only for him. The, the, the usage that we're allowed to use for Yom Tif, for fire, is for us. So the, 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 the Gemara says, the same way you're not allowed to burn Kodshim, things from the Beis HaMikdash, to require burning on Yom Tif. Similarly, if it's Truma to me, if it's Truma, that which we give to the Kayin. And it became Tommy, so the Kayin can't use it, it needs to be burned. You're also not allowed to burn on Yom Tif. Asks Teisvis, one second, but there is a use for humans on Yom Tif with burning Truma. What's the use? You're allowed to have benefit. The Kayin is allowed to have benefit from burning Truma. He's allowed to put it under his pot to cook. So why can't you put the truma, the, the unclean, the tomei truma, under your pot of soup to make a fire, to heat up the pot of soup? You're allowed to make a fire in Yom Tov. You're using, burning the truma now in a permissible way, using it for human consumption, for human needs, on Yom Tov, for food on Yom Tov, which that's fine. That becomes a, a tzayrech eichel nefesh, a need that's eichel nefesh, that's permissible Yom Tov. This says no. Since there is also a tzayrech gavaya, since there's also a need for Hashem's purposes here, because Hashem wants you to burn the truma. It's impure truma. What you're meant to do with it is burn it. So now since there's an agenda from gavaya, from halach, from tzayrech, from Hashem, so your own need that you're using it for is subservient and is cancelled out to that. And it's as if the only reason you're burning it is even though it's, you're putting it under your soup to get the soup bubble, as if the only reason you're doing it is for Hashem's reason. That kind of hijacks the whole activity of burning the truma. Said the Rebbe, if you look at the simple reading of this, we have to explain what does that mean? What's Tesh was saying? Why should the fact that Hashem's got a usage for it also, why should that totally cancel out the fact that the human also has a, a valid user? So according to this, we can understand. Since the real reality of everything in the world, is Torah and Yisrael. That is the real reality. So when you use the thing according to the way Hashem wants you to use it, in other words, to burn it, you're doing the mitzvah of burning the, the Trumat Meha. So everything else falls away, kind of dissipates, becomes bottled. The external reason for the world, I'm going to use it to make my soup hot, falls away. And now what's, what's left is, what's the real reality of the world? What's the real purpose of the world? Torah and mitzvah is mitzvah. So that's what I see when I see this truma burning. It's about Hashem's need. And then the fact that I also have a need for it is, is, falls aside. So we see here a beautiful example that um, of, of the intention actually becomes the reality of the thing and that's all we pay attention to. It's almost like there's a smoke screen. The moment you move away the smoke screen, you see the reality. Yud. However, according to this, we have a question on the other side. We explained so beautifully that um, we explained so beautifully that the whole purpose of the world is and the real reality of the world is Teda and Yisrael. So why did that wait till Matan Teda? We just said we said earlier it only got achieved by Matan Teda. And we just just now we're explaining that. Bredacious, the very beginning, that's the whole reason, the whole reality of the world is Torah and Yisrael. So why, what happened to Matan Torah? Why do we say that Shakota, that's when the world got, got, got its calmness, got its strength after Matan Torah? Till then also the whole reality of the world was Torah and Yisrael. So the explanation is like this. The fact that the whole reality of the world is really the intention, which is Torah and Yisrael, that's the way Hashem looks at it. However, because by Him, Koyach and Poyal, 
The potential is not lacking reality. It's together. However, from the from the perspective and state of of vision of the created beings, in, in, in our state of being, of course, potential and, and actuality are very far away from each other. So there, in our from our vision, from our eyes, we don't see or comprehend or feel that elikus, godliness, is the reality of the world. And the purpose is, the tachlis is, Hashem's intention is, that within creation, within the world itself, should be revealed how its total reality is Teirah and Yisrael. But then the world and Teirah and Yisrael become, the world becomes one with Elikus. That's the Hashem's intention. That only starts taking place by Man Teirah. By Man Teirah, we say that's when the world got its calmness, its, its, its validity, its strength. Why? Before Man Teirah, you didn't see in the world any direct connection between Teirah and Yisrael. That was the plan. That was the real reality from Hashem's perspective. You didn't see it in the world. And that's why the Geshem of the world, the, the Gashmis of the world, the physicality of the world, materialism, was strong materialism. It's like it's its own vessel, going back to the analogy of carrying food in a vessel. Its own vessel, all you see is the vessel. If you're carrying out for the vessel, then it's a big vessel, of course you violate. We don't see that your intention is just a little bit of food inside. However, by Matan that's when we got the power to be able to reveal in the world Mitzida from its own self, it's, it's real reality. What's its real reality? Teir and Yisrael. That's why the world, the world got weaker, but calmed up, but also got stronger. It got weaker. We pulled away this the strong external, but it got stronger because the true reality now becomes more revealed, and that's its true chayes. According to this, we can understand the difference between the two testimonies: testimonies of heaven and earth, and testimonies of the neshamas. Since Nisava Kadosh Baruch Hashem desired that he should have a dwelling place in the lower worlds. What does it mean? A dwelling place means to Atmos of Hashem, where He Himself can be, the essence of Hashem. So that's what actually happened. It right away happened, because we say Hashem with the potential and the reality, His plan and, and the actuality doesn't have any, there can't be. It, it takes away from the completeness of Hashem, Chaz to say that there's a potential that could actually not be actualized. The potential and the actualization are one, uh, same thing. So Hashem already has a deal in the moment He wants it. And that's why Right away, there was heaven and earth that testified on Hashem's presence. That was right away. However, since that was only something coming from above, from the perspective of Hashem's perspective, so it was still something where Hashem was projecting into a world that has its own strength in a sense. Hashem projected, I'm here in the world. But in order that there should be truly a oneness, that the, that the dira, that the dwelling place of Hashem should be felt by the created beings. They should feel they're not here, they're just Hashem, part of Hashem. So for that, the world needs to be engaged through Aveda of Torah Mitzvahs, doing Torah Mitzvahs by the Neshamas. Then they create, by using physicality of Torah, and, and by using the physical world to Torah Mitzvahs, what is created is a generation, a creation, an establishment of Hashem's presence, Hashem's dwelling place here on earth from the earth itself. The actual physicality is, is expressing that. The, the boxes made out of physical hide are expressing that the whole world is really all about expressing Hashem's glory. Parenthetically, square brackets, this is also the inner explanation of one of the things we said before, that the, the witnesses that create the reality, they actually, there's more strength in their deed. 
right? We said um, that's why there can't be any change of mind, in, like in, in the witnesses that are doing a, a marriage. So here we have this expression when we talk about the Bnei Yisrael being Hashem's witnesses, giving testimony. Through the testimony of the Yidin, there becomes a strength in the creation. The creation calms down. In other words, there's a, there's a strength given because now they're creating the reality that the world itself is feeling and, 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 and showing how Hashem is everything. Yud base. According to this, we could also understand, we could also explain the difference between we as uh, the heaven and earth as confirmation witnesses and us as establishment witnesses. Right? And we said that the witnesses that establish something, the reality that they contribute is at the moment that they're seeing it, whereas the, the witnesses that only confirm their reality is only valid when they're cross-examined in court. What does that mean in Pneumius? So the testimony of heaven and earth of them themselves doesn't reveal and draw down Hashem's Atmos. Because heaven and earth are part of because heaven and earth are part of the world that's called helam. It's called an obscurement. The whole world, oilam, is from the expression of helam, of obscuring. The fact that in Shamayim Va'aretz we have an expression of alikus, that's because Hashem chooses to transmit through them that they should have things that show on His infinity, that show on His uh, uh, never-endingness. But that's... not coming from them. Yidin can, in them, in heaven and earth, see the power of the Ein Sof. And that's why, even after this kind of testimony, heaven and earth, in a way, Atmos, the essence of Hashem, still remains something that's unrevealed. It's Nelam, it's still concealed. Because the world doesn't see it. Shlemus of the bitter and gilu, the shlemus of the of of this confirmation is only when we'll come to court. Just like that witnessing, it doesn't matter when the witnesses saw it. When does their testimony become meaningful? When we confirm it, we cross-examine. So also the testimony heaven and earth are giving is not meaningful right now. It's going to become important when Mashiach comes. Then the world will come to its intended tachlis, actually intended fulfillment and purpose see the power of Hashem, and then everybody will see, ah, that that power we observed in heaven and earth, we'll be able to confirm, yeah, that's Hashem. That's Hashem that was injecting that power. That was Hashem that was really the power there. However, when we talk about the Eidos testimony that the Nishamas give, Fakeret, it's happening at the time when we're seeing, when we're doing it. The fact that Yidnar Mamshech Atzmas through their service to Hashem, that becomes achieved right away when you do the mitzvah. Shiach comes, that's when there's going to be a giloy, what was already done during the time of Gauls. Very interesting, the Rebbe has a footnote here, which is something we learn every year several times, this is the explanation, 68, what Chazal tells us, better one hour of tshuva and good deeds in this world, from all the life in the next world. It says the Rebbe, when Shiach comes, then, I mean, what's going to be then is a revelation of what we did now. But the doing is right now, so it's much better to be in the doing. Then we're going to have the revelation, oh, we'll be able to appreciate what we did. 
But that's not when it's happening. It's happening now. We're doing it now. Just like the witnesses that are seeing the Kiddushan, they're creating a new reality. Doing Teremitzvahs, we're creating a reality that reveals Hashem here in the world. That's happening now. <clears throat> Yud Gimel. Same way there is this concept of testimony above, giving testimony about Hashem. We also have this concept in the service of man down below within ourselves. There is an Aveda that's called Aveda, the service of Hashem, that makes rational sense. That's, in the, in the, in the words of testimony, that's something that's revealed, something that's clear. And it's clear we have to do what Hashem tells us to do. There's no question about that. Only a fool thinks he doesn't have to do what Hashem tells us to do openly in the Torah we have to do. Higher than that, there's doing even beyond what makes sense, beyond what's demanded. That already is called Mesir's Nefesh, total sacrifice. But even in the Aved of total sacrifice, that's still not in a way of testimony of doing something that's totally not revealed. Remember, we said testimony is revealing something that you wouldn't know otherwise. Why? Because even when we, we do sacrifice, we're talking about looking what is Shulchan Aruch saying, say, does the Shulchan Aruch want me to go beyond myself here? Does Shulchan Aruch want me to go to sacrifice? So there's also, it's still related to, to our, our, uh, our finite um, decision-making process. The highest Aveda is that because when a Jew feels, because he's so connected to Hashem, so connected to the atmos of Hashem because of his, his essence of his neshama. So his given over, his sacrifice to Hashem has no limitations. He doesn't look and check. He just knows he has to be connected to Hashem. And about this Aveda, it says, Atemeda, you are my witnesses. Through this kind of dedication to Hashem, the Aveda. So through that, Yidin are testifying when you get such a commitment. Only because the, your essence of soul is connected to the essence of Hashem. So you're revealing the essence of the Ein Sof down below. Yudalit, another concept in this, since the whole reality of world is, as we said earlier, the, its intention, which is Torah and Yisrael. So when you fulfill that intention, you have canceled out and rid yourself of any limitations that would be created through the external trappings of the world. You can tap in and be living in a zone where you're expressing the inner purpose of the world, Torah and Yisrael, then the outer aspects of the world, they cannot fight that because that's really their reality as well. Which leads us to a hayra, leads us to a lesson. When a yid goes to do a mitzvah, he doesn't have to worry about what's going on externally, in the material things that seem to be holding him back. He doesn't have to take into account his own reality, his own mitzvahs, his own, you know, uh, um, let's say his own mitzvahs, his own limited who he is. And he doesn't have to be worried about the limitations that others may impose on him from around him. Because when you're talking about a mitzvah, everything else cancels out. Because that's the real reality, that's the internal reality of the world. So nothing can stand against it. Nothing can hide over the mitzvah. The whole mitzvah is only the mitzvah. It's like if you, if you, a loose example if you tap into the genetic code into the atoms and the atoms are with you then the external is only a result of those atoms so it can't be that anything outside is going to disturb you you're in there in the in the inner of what the outer represents you're doing a mitzvah you're doing the 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 the, 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 the nuclear power within the world so nothing 
Nothing can stand in that way. Everything's pales away. Pales. And that feeling that you have the feeling you're doing the mitzvah, nothing else can stand in your way because that is the real reality of the world. That feeling comes from the concept of edus, of neshama. There's a place in neshama which we refer to as, as, as testimony. In other words, it's something that's not revealed on its, on its own, just, just in your conscious self. Why? It's not time for that. When we're talking about reasoning, the level of malikul almin, or even then higher than reasoning, but jumping beyond reason into sacrifice. But that does have a connection to reasoning. So that's the level of saving kol almin. So there, there, there's room to talk about the fact that there's also a reality that you have to take into account. When you talk about the Aved of Etzam Neshama, the essence of Neshama, that, that's connected with the essence of Hashem Atzmusa Yisbar. That's where one, that's where it can be expressed. And that's where it can be, uh, uh, can be heard by, by a Yid that the whole Metzias of the world is really Likus, Godliness, Teda, and Yisrael. And therefore, do a mitzvah is, is the real reality of the world. Nothing can stand in his way. Yashukoyach.